Greetings, fellow sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And I'm Brandon Turner. And we are your hosts of a weekly podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports cards. All right, so this is our fifth show. We want to start out by saying thank you to all of our listeners and those that have followed us on our social media channels and subscribe to our email list on our website. We're truly humbled by and appreciate the support. So thank you all for that. Yeah, and uh, I will definitely echo that. It's been a pretty fun venture. I know we're just getting started, so it's pretty great to see the people that are enjoying the show. We're really thankful for that and definitely appreciate the support and the kind words uh, and positive feedback that's been sent our way. Absolutely. And like we said last week, we're working on lining up some interview guests for several upcoming shows, and we're excited about that. We and what we have in store there. And so stay tuned because we're going to be announcing some more details about who the guests are and the dates they're going to be on the show and all that kind of good stuff as soon as we get that confirmed. Yeah, and then last time we talked a little bit about our website and how we were looking to put some additional content up on our website. And I think we added some things there as well, didn't we? We did. Uh, if you go to our website, then which is uh, www.the615collector.com, there you can find a link on the menu for what's called hobby resources if you click on that it'll take you to a page where we've organized resources into a number of different categories such as where to get hobby supplies who the major grading companies are auction sites the fractional ownership platforms all that kind of stuff so if you click on any of those categories there's a picture there as well as a title above the picture it'll take you to a page that'll list the major companies in the hobby. Yeah, but not every company is necessarily listed, right? Yeah, that's right. We did organize that on basically how companies that we've done business with and companies that we know are reputable or that have a large presence in the space, those are the ones that we've included there. So yeah, so it doesn't include everybody, but it does include those that we have experience with and those that are really the most popular within the hobby. And it's important to note that we do not get paid by any of those companies either. Yeah, that's right. And it's a really good point. We do maintain our independence, as we've said many times on this show, so that we can provide unbiased opinions and information to our audience. So we don't take any sponsorship or advertising money. We don't receive any type of compensation from the companies that we have listed as resources within those categories. It's solely based on our own experience of who we've worked with and who we know to be, like we said before, major players in the space. And probably also good to note that because of that, we don't make uh, any representations of the companies we list there and can't necessarily speak to the experience that everyone will get. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously no person or no company is going to be perfect. And so I'm sure that there are going to be some that will have had different experiences with some of those companies maybe than what we've had with each of them. But you know, the purpose of providing that information is really just to try and be a resource for investors and for collectors in the hobby. We often get questions and see people asking questions about things like, you know, where do you get your supplies or who are the auction houses or grading companies that you use, that type of thing. So we're just trying to provide a resource for convenience and informational purposes only to help people navigate the space and find companies that provide the products and services that they want or need. And all we can do is give you our experience of those that we've worked with, but then you know, also let you know which ones are considered to be some of the larger and more popular ones that are used by others within the industry. Yeah, and so we are still building out that resource page, but we have added resources under the following categories, card grading companies, fractional ownership platforms, hobby supplies, card manufacturers, and auction sites. So go to our website, that's www.the615collector.com, 
and go to hobby resources on the menu and check those out. Yeah, and when you're there, you'll see other categories that say coming soon on them. And so we're working on those and we'll let everyone know when we get those additional categories fully built out. Okay, uh, so where do you want to go next? Did you want to talk about any buying or selling that you did? Yeah, we can do that, but let's first maybe talk a little bit about hockey. I don't, we don't spend enough time on that sport, and I did see where the Predators, who are near and dear to our hearts since we're based here in Nashville, they're going to retire Pekka Rene's jersey toward the end of next season, which is actually early next year. I think they're going to do that in February. So I thought that was cool. Really like Pecorine. I'm looking around in the room we're recording. We've got a few Pecorine memorabilia items in here, like a signed hockey stick and a signed photograph and things like that, as well as a few of his cards. So he's really well regarded by Nashvillians. And is, that, is that what they call us? Nashvillians? Nashvillians? I've never yep. heard that yeah, yeah, used before. Yeah, okay. we're Nashvillians. Nashvillians. You're, you're the only true Nashvillian in the family. The rest I don't of know us that are I would call myself Nashvillian. Yeah, I just don't know. I would use that verbiage, but okay. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, we're so I so I'm from Oregon. Actually, I'm not really from Oregon, but I grew up in Oregon, so I'm an Oregonian. But now I've lived in Nashville for what 20 years, more than 20 years, so I'm a Nashvillian. That just sounds like Nashville. <laughs> no, we are not villains, that's for sure. But I was thinking about this too. I'd love to have Pekka on the show. So if Pekka's listening, what do you think the odds are Pekka's listening to the show? Probably about like nine for ten. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah, right. So <laughs> if you're listening, Pekka, call us or text us. We'll get you on the show. We'd love to have you on. Talk about whether... I'm, I wonder if he collects cards or not. He might. I also saw where Capo Caco... Hopefully I pronounced that right. I think I did. Capo Caco. Yeah, it's a hot, wow. another hockey player. Where is he player. from? I think he might be from Finland, but I don't know that for sure. He is one of those rising young stars in hockey, and I think this might be his second or third year in the league, but I saw he was scoreless, which I was surprised about until just the last week, got his first goal, followed that up the next game with back-to-back goals, so maybe that'll get him going and he'll be heating up a little bit. And then, hey, I want to, let's talk a little NFL news as well. This is stuff that's not in our film study, so we won't be going over it again there, but anyone that followed our advice last on the last show with Cam Newton made out pretty well. We talked about his rookie card last time that was selling for about $40. There's some different image variations on it, but the base on that was about $40. That card has more than doubled over the last week. I've seen it's now selling for around $100 after the game that he had last weekend. Wasn't expecting him to get in and play. Uh, We did mention that he got signed by Carolina and thought that given the price of his cards, it was probably a favorable risk reward ratio there and he actually did get in i i didn't i saw a little bits and pieces of the that game that doesn't he, surprise me that he got he in. rushed I, for a touchdown and then maybe threw one as well but he wasn't the starting quarterback they just kind of brought him in to do the scoring i think but anyway he'll be starting quarterback i think in the next game i i would hope so so yeah so anyone that followed our advice on that did well um i don't know maybe now's the time to sell now that they've popped up i don't know Depends, I guess, on what you think of him longer term. Also, Mahomes is back. I'm sure there's a lot of folks happy to, to see that. For those that there were a lot of people that sort of panicked and maybe bailed on him a little bit. Ha ha. Not really. I guess some did maybe. But he had a nice little 400-yard game with five touchdown passes against the Raiders. And so 
that probably put some of those concerns to rest. And then I'd like to talk about Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris, who are running backs for the Colts and the Steelers, respectively. I really like both of those running backs. I haven't actually looked up their card values lately, so can't really say where they're trading at. But I would say if they're not sky high, I'll have to look those up. Maybe we can talk about them on the next show, because if they're not sky high, I think there could be an interesting play there, because those are both young running backs. Najee, of course, is a rookie with the Steelers. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I think this is his second year in the league. He was a rookie last year, I believe, with the Colts, and they're both looking really good. So interesting plays there, I think. All right, well, let's save some of that for our film study. Why don't you talk about what you've been buying and selling? Yeah, we can do that, and then I'll do that, and then you give the rundown for what we're going to cover in the show today. So my buying has slowed down a lot lately. We talked on the previous shows some of the household expenses that have got coming up and then obviously you've got the holidays and we also have as Brandon knows a wedding that we're planning for too no it's not his but his sister is getting married Brandon has an older sister she's getting married uh, we're excited you have a daughter yes I do have that's that would be my daughter yep and so we're excited about that that's gonna put a dent though in the card spending budget for a few months but all that said have been doing a little bit of buying it was mostly wax or hobby boxes and picked up some of the recent tops and panini releases some of the ones that were not quite as expensive little on the lower end side and then I think last week we talked about Drew Brees I think that might have been in our two-minute drill and how we felt there was an opportunity in his cards and so I saw a rookie card of his come available at our local card shop which is Nash cards so shout out to them and again no we do not take advertising money but we will tell you who we work with and what our experience has been so try to direct you to people that we think are good honest people with integrity in the hobby and so I picked a raw one up from them it was raw and so I'll need to evaluate the condition of the card to see if I'm going to get it great or not I think I probably will and by the way really like working with again we don't get paid for them but I do want to say this because this the way they do business is the way everyone ought to do business so I actually bought two different cards from them at two different times but on the same day they were putting cards up on their website and I was kind of looking and and you got it when they go up you got to buy them because someone else might take them and then you don't get them and so I bought one and paid for it and everything and so paid for shipping and then ended up buying another one and paid for shipping on that so we're two shipping charges like three and a half dollars each I know it's a local card shop. I had them shipped here, but it's it's a little ways away from Nashville's a big city, and and we we live a little ways. It's it's a drive to get there, so I was just going to have them shipped here to the house for convenience. Anyway, so I bought them same day, and the guy that uh, owns that, I think his name is Chris Kelsey, without me even asking him to do this, combined both of those orders into one, shipped my cards to me, and refunded me one of the two shipping charges. Like I said, without me even asking for it, so. Kudos to Chris Kelsey and Nash Cards. That's why we mention our experience and who we work with because uh, that's exactly the way we like to see people do business in the space. Uh, let's see, what else? Also got, oh, I did get a redemption card back from Tops. I was happy about that. We've talked about how, you know, some of the redemption cards have been taking a long time to get fulfilled, or at least especially on with Panini cards. But Tops has actually done a pretty good job. And so I, I want to say I submitted that redemption card maybe a couple of months ago is all and got that back. It was a, a nice Topps Chrome Glabar Taurus autograph card numbered to 99. So I'll probably send that one off to get graded as well. I know he's his stuff's down a little bit because he didn't have as great of a year uh, the past couple of years. But I don't know. I think he might have a comeback year. So we'll see. 
And you also got a bunch of cards back from HGA. We did. That was nice. We got uh, a couple of big orders that we had with them, or at least big from a volume standpoint. They're getting caught up. We'll talk about them later in the halftime report. But we had a couple orders come back, one of which in particular I was excited about because it had five cards in it that got a 10 grade from them, which is very difficult to do from HGA. Only about 0.6%, that's 0.6% of almost 200,000 cards that they've graded so far have achieved a grade of 10. So was excited about that to get five of those in that order. Uh, most of the other cards we got out of that were nines or nine and a half. A lot of them, were, most of them were probably nine and a half, a few nines, maybe a couple lower ones than that. But, And I also thought they did a really nice job on the custom labels. We, we like the custom labels. That's what we've done on a lot of our submissions and that's something they've become known for and i was really pleased with the way those turned out so all right let's see what else picked up a few raw cards oh yeah from another one of our favorite card shops hit and run sports cards we bought from them several times over the past couple of years i really like them they're actually not local but we've bought stuff from them online they have an online store they do some stuff in facebook i know they do some stuff in the the loop app as well and so we've done things with them through those outlets but uh what did we pick up so i picked up some raw basketball and baseball cards from them i got a couple of what's called the my house inserts in basketball i like that insert it's not as highly valued as the kaboom uh, cards and the color splash and you know those types of things but i do like the my house insert i think that's one that actually could could grow in value as the kabooms and the other ones become more expensive i think people might start looking to the lesser expensive inserts that are pretty cool. And I think my house could be one of those that could maybe see some growth. But I, I also just like the cards. So I picked up Steph Curry. I picked up LeBron James. Nothing huge, nothing, no monster cards there, but just keep building the collection. And so I, I may get a couple of those graded. I don't know. We'll see. But that's that's probably enough. Why don't you give a rundown on the show for today? Okay. So today we'll look at the latest industry news in the halftime report. And then we've got some NBA and NFL stuff planned for our film study. And then we've got a handful of players that we'll look at in our two-minute drill. And then I think you have some follow-up from our special segment last time on the Josh Luber Report. Yep, I do. I've got a couple of things that I wanted to touch base on that. All right, and then uh, we'll wrap up with the mailbag. Yep, and then I think we've got a game plan, too, for today, right? Uh, I, I think so. I don't yeah. know. You have, you're the one planning it. So. Well, that, so that was the thing. Yeah, so do you want to do it right now? Uh, no, we can do it later. Okay, all right, so we'll do it later. <laughs> it yeah, makes, I, it makes more sense to do it later. Right. Do it after your film study or yeah. something. Yeah, well, I definitely, well, I, it's got to be before the two-minute drill, which you'll know why when sure. we get there. Should we tell them what the game is or now or nah. set it up or just? No, nah, keep them on the edge of their seats. All right, yeah, we'll, so we, we'll hold we've got a fun game planned we're going to do later, so you're going to want to stick around and, and hear that. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, so let's see. Let's move on. Let's get started. Where are we at? Yeah, all right, let's do the halftime report. <laughs> Okay, so we will start with some PSA news, or actually, it's really more rumor than news, but in a response to a poster on Instagram, Nat Turner, who you've heard us talk about, he's the executive chairman of PSA, he said that the regular service level was going to open back up in a couple of weeks, and that was maybe almost a week ago now, and so as you might imagine, that created quite a stir in the industry. We'll see if it's true or not. Remember, it was just a week or so, maybe a little more than that ago, that Nat Turner uh, was interviewed by the Sports Collectors Digest in which he told them that he expected PSA would reopen in the first quarter of 2022. So to now come out just shortly after that and say that regular service is going to open in two weeks, I thought was a little odd. 
So not sure if he was just joking or what that was exactly, but obviously, like I said, caused quite the stir in the hobby. So everyone's kind of talking about that and everyone's speculating on what they think the price point of that's going to be. I think probably the the most common denominator in, of the guesses that are out there is that when they do open up, it's probably going to be somewhere around $100 per card. And then they'll have to gauge what kind of demand they get to see do they, can they lower it more and take in more cards or do they need to raise it so that they get less demand for cards coming in because they still have quite a backlog there's still you know several probably months left of backlog that they need to clear out anyway it'll be so we'll see what happens there all right in other grading company news hga provided an update on its business they stated they're about 14 to 20 days behind depending on whether you order uh, has custom labels and they have recently limited submissions so that they have to uh, sorry so that they can get caught back up yeah unfortunately it sounds like they got hit with some issues with covid with a lot of their staff and maybe even a couple rounds of that and that's hurt their ability to get cards graded and out the door so they indicated they're trying to be more proactive in how they handle and manage the safety protocols around that and avoid some you know large scale quarantines and things like that they also said that they will have horizontal slabs available in four to six weeks and they have two auction companies comc and pristine that will be accepting HGA slabs for sale on their platforms. Yeah, I think that's good news. I think that's there's a lot of folks that are uh, getting HGA slabs and they're looking for ways to sell those a lot because when a new company like that comes out, not everyone will accept those to be sold on their platform until they establish themselves a little more in the industry. And so good to see them making progress in that regard. And those horizontal slabs, I think, will be kind of popular too, because that's an innovative thing that no other grading company is doing, where if the card is in a horizontal layout, the slab is such that the label will also be in a horizontal layout on top of the card. Man, rather, how did nobody like do that before? I know. Well, it's yeah. It's, well, it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think the slabs they've showed some sort of prototypes of them before online, and I think they look nice. the The one question I'm not so sure about is how does it work for storage? Because you know a lot of there's you know a lot of boxes and cases and things that are built to the size of the current slabs. I think the horizontal slabs are going to have a little bit different dimension to them. But I don't know, maybe that's an opportunity for the storage companies that make those things because then now there'll be new cases to have to come out with. Yeah. I'm not sure. All right, so where are we at next? Oh, yeah, they also indicated that they've got a more in-depth video coming that will demonstrate their grading technology and their authentication process. All right. Yeah, they said that would be available on November 29th. And then they also said that some customers have been pretty nasty to their support staff and asked for people to be patient and more understanding when interacting with their staff. Yeah, I hated to hear that. Uh, they're like, like we said before, they're behind. Uh, they got hit with some COVID issues, it sounds like. So people are getting their cards back a little later than originally anticipated. Like they, you said earlier, I think it was 14 to 20 days. So if you're on a 30-day or a 60-day order, that, that's not horrible, especially in comparison to the other companies out there that are literally taking months or in some cases over a year for, for guys to get their, their cards back. So it's not terrible. I hated to hear that people are not being nice to their staff. I'm not going to get into it this time. I do think this is going to be the subject of our next penalty box. We don't have one planned for today because we don't have time for it, but we're going to do that next time. That will be a topic of it because I just don't understand this. Well, let me take that back. I understand it. I understand why people are upset. I don't understand why people think it's acceptable to berate 
and talk to support staff of these companies in that type of way. It's just ridiculous. There's no excuse for it. I don't care. You can say what you want to me and, and you know, come back at me with, with whatever you think your argument is. I don't care. You can be upset all you want, but you can talk to people in a professional way and in a kind way, understanding way, and still get your point across and work with them to make right as to whatever it is that has that they've done that you know you're not happy with and HGA has proven themselves over and over again to take care of their customers they've offered refunds and voucher things like that they've just done a lot of different things to make it right with their customers so I think they do a pretty good job from a client service standpoint our experience has been good in that regard and we've probably done a dozen or so orders a couple hundred cards with them so it's not insignificant the experience that we've had with them and and they've done a good job so I I hate to hear that and hopefully people will be more understanding and more professional in their dealings with them all right so let's move on to some card show news yeah so there were some reports coming out of recent card shows that indicate continued health and interest and demand in the industry so we talked a while back about the Chantilly show which is based in northern Virginia and after now seeing some of the reports that have come out on that it sounds like they had solid crowds for all three of the days that that show was going on for a lot of the well all the dealer tables were sold out and one comment i heard that i thought was particularly important and insightful was from a dealer who said that he credited quote the surge of younger collectors and the alternative investor for the surge in popularity in the hobby and i would agree with that especially the alternative investor part I think that's where there is significant opportunity for future growth in the hobby, and I think that offers potential to really expand the reach of the hobby beyond just your traditional collectors. And then there was the Toronto show up in Canada, and the reports coming out that that show uh, was pretty good as well. Yep, and being in Canada, that show is typically more of a hockey show. But I did see reports that indicated the presence of many other sports and even some non-sports cards. One quote I saw from a dealer there said that he had, quote, never seen so many kids at the show, and it wasn't just parents bringing their children, but younger collectors that were there on their own. So I thought that was interesting, and that that was good to hear. In other news, Starstock announced that they will be debuting their first ever live auction, which which begins on November 23rd. This is an online marketplace that we've talked about on prior shows, and so now they will be adding auctions to their site. Yeah, and the format of those sounds like it's going to be different from maybe some of the other auctions that are out there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Apparently what they're going to have is auctions every night or every evening for one hour, Monday through Friday. But each lot will last for somewhere between one and three minutes with extended bidding. And then you'll also be able to engage with other bidders via a live chat feature. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Initially, it's only supposed to be for company-owned items and certain select sellers, but they said they plan to open it up to anyone that consigns cards with them at some point in the future. Dibs, which is a fractional share platform that we've talked about before, is now also allowing users to sell cards on the Dibs platform. Yep, and for now, the card has to be currently traded on their platform. So if you go to their app and and look at what cards are trading on the platform, those are the ones that can be submitted, and they only do it for graded cards, so they don't do raw. But I'm sure all of that's going to expand in the future, meaning the number of cards they've got trading on their platform. So it's an interesting way to monetize your cards, and, and especially some maybe more expensive ones where maybe you'd like to retain some ownership if that's something you'd like to do. So I thought that was interesting news. And remember, I think it's Nat Turner from PSA, if I'm not mistaken. We talked about this in, I think, one of our first couple of shows 
that he has a private equity stake in dibs and so it's kind of interesting to see some of the things that that platform is doing in auction news record prices continue in certain areas of the market as a 1916 babe ruth rookie card sold for a record 2.46 million dollars in a recent mile high card company auction yep that was the 1916 what's called the m101-4 <laughs> sporting news card it's got a blank back it was graded a seven by psa and then also I thought it was interesting in that auction, there was what's a pretty popular card. It's a 1993 Derek Jeter rookie card. It's what's called the SP foil card. It's a hard one to get a good grade on because of that foil covering, but it was a PSA 10 and that one sold for over $369,000. All right, that's all we have for today. So that concludes the halftime report. Now let's move on to film study. Okay, so let's see. We've got a bunch of stuff planned here. We got NBA stuff to cover. We got some NFL stuff to cover. So I think we'll just start with some of the NBA stuff and see, take it wherever you'd like to take it. Again, you're our resident. Brandon is our resident NBA basketball expert. Resident basketball expert. We've got um, yeah. So you've talked you talked a while back about the new rules in the NBA and how that might have an impact on scoring. I continue to see articles written about that so that I thought that was kind of interesting I think you you called that early on and it looks like that's still a topic of conversation yeah I mean I'm honestly surprised I I haven't seen it being talked about that much personally like recently like this week but I mean it definitely is still a factor scoring is still pretty down Um, you'll see a lot of players have pretty big nights but just like overall averages aren't very high I don't think there's anybody averaging 30 points a game right now no, there's not. I and think the highest is Kevin Durant. He's got like maybe 28 or 29 or something yeah, actually, like that. Yeah, well, and actually, I think, no, I think you're right. Well, maybe Steph Curry just overtook him. I think, yeah, I think Steph Curry might be around 29, Kevin Durant's 28. But I also just heard before we started recording this show that I think it's the Golden State Warriors are the only team in the league that is, is it that they're the only team in the league averaging over 100 points a game or maybe the only one that scored over 100 points a game in every game they've played, something like that? I forget like exactly. That. Yeah, I probably I'm shouldn't, exactly shouldn't sure. say the stat because I can't remember. Well, but it was, like, they score big. Golden yeah. State scores better than anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Golden State's an interesting topic right now. But honestly, okay, so hold on real quick. I want to talk about, so they're renaming the Staples Center, which is the uh, arena in L.A. for the Lakers and the Clippers as well. It's not Staples Center anymore. Starting on Christmas, it's going to be Crypto.com Arena. Wow. Which is wow. kind of the end of an era. I saw that and I was like, wow. So does that like, mark? That doesn't quite have the same ring as Staples, but I mean, hey. No. But that's interesting to me because uh, Miami also renamed their arena to FTX Arena. And FTX is a like crypto, like I don't know exactly what they do, but they do something in crypto. Interesting. So it's pretty interesting. Like a couple of these uh, arenas... I guess a couple of like crypto companies are starting to sponsor like NBA arenas and stuff like that, NBA teams. Yeah, well, it you'd be hard pressed to say that crypto is not here to stay. I know there's still some folks that are pretty skeptical about it and what it looks like in the future and how it's used and you know what the functionality of it is and all that kind of stuff. Probably still up for debate, but I think there's no question it's here to stay. Although on the other hand, hearing stadiums or arenas named after it probably isn't the greatest sign there used to be it wasn't so much maybe in basketball but I remember in NFL anyway it seemed like every time a stadium got named after a company 
that shortly after that, or, you know, I guess not named after them because they're paying for it, but when they paid to get the stadiums named after them shortly after that company went bankrupt. <laughs> so I don't know. They may I mean, not pretend well for it. I mean, I don't know how many people go, go to Staples, so I, maybe it's not. Now, but, Staples hasn't gone bankrupt. So, that's, so gone maybe bankrupt, basketball, it hasn't worked that way. In football, that was the case for, for quite a while. There were a lot of the telecom companies that ended up getting the rights to name their stadiums, and a lot of them went bankrupt back in the early 2000 to 2002 uh, crash uh, in the market hit yeah well anyway i just thought i should mention that i thought that's pretty interesting i thought that's pretty you know relevant yeah uh, being as you know crypto is a pretty so do you want to talk about your heat because i was actually looking i was prepared to come in and say hey what's going on with your heat i i saw they were dropping in the standings i thought anyway for a while and then i looked them up before the show and there they are atop the eastern conference you know tied with brooklyn yeah i mean really all that happened was they went on a three-game losing streak and a big part of that was because of uh, jimmy butler went down with an ankle sprain for a couple games ah okay so they played the lakers and then also the clippers and the lakers was it started as a really bad game but then ended pretty good that one went into overtime it went into overtime and it was really depressing we were down three the last play they really love the lakers we we were (laughs) yeah man that's my team they the Lakers really, really screwed up on the last inbounds play because Tyler Hero was as wide open from three as you could possibly get. He had enough time to catch the ball, drop the ball, pick the ball up, and get a shot off before anybody got anywhere near him. Was LeBron and just, the one just, playing defense against him? No, LeBron's been out, but <laughs> yeah. the ball rimmed in and out. And so, I mean, if that went in, it would have gotten a double overtime, but it was uh, really close. And then, you know, the Clippers game was also from what I remember, pretty close for the most part. Yeah. But well, they came doing... back and they beat the Jazz again. They beat the Wizards uh, yesterday. So they're, they're doing well. The Eastern Conference seems to be a little more of a tighter race than the Western Conference. Before oh, we get sure. into that, though, I want to jump to uh, – so let's talk about Anthony Edwards real quick. I still – I really like this guy. He dropped 48 points on the Warriors maybe a, a week or so ago. Anthony Edwards and, really likes dropping a lot of points on good teams. Well, and so that's the thing. And I, and he's hot in the hobby. So that's another reason I want to talk about him because I've heard in some different social media groups and podcasts that we listen to and from different local card shop owners that it sounds like you know his cards are very hot and are selling like hotcakes. And so I guess the question is, is it justified? I think Absolutely. it is. I but he, it but is. at the same time, he's in Minnesota, which is not a great team. And so... I don't know. Is he going to get the same kind of exposure there? I mean, honestly, to me, Minnesota looks better this year. I don't think they're going anywhere, but they look a little bit better this year at the very least. I mean, Anthony Edwards is performing. He's been performing. I think he's the best rookie out of out of last year's draft class, personally, at least right now. LaMelo may be better down the line, but I mean, right now he looks Yeah, fantastic. I would say Anthony, and like, at least statistically. 48 points on the Warriors looking. especially is pretty impressive because the Warriors, I think, have the top defense in the NBA. If not, they're like yeah. in the top five at least. So that's pretty impressive to me. Let's see. So I'm looking opponent points per game. Yeah, War- uh, Nuggets actually. So Denver... Looks like they've got, at least on a scoring basis, Denver is number one, allowing only 99 points a game. And then the Warriors are number two. two. I think, like, overall defensive rating, when you factor everything in, the Warriors are at the top. Yeah. At least they were, like, a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I mean, that's still pretty impressive, specifically because of that. Yeah, and Steph Curry keeps lighting it up. We talked about him earlier. He dropped, what, 50 points on the Hawks, which, by the way, and I don't know if we want to get into that now, but... 
what's going on in Atlanta? I mean, they're like right now, the season ended right now, and I know we're still really early in the season, but nonetheless, they are not in the playoff hunt. Well, they're tied with several other teams, but they, no, they're not. They're they're seven and nine, so they're in the 11th spot in the Eastern Conference. Well, the issue with Atlanta is they're playing really, really crappy defense right now. They're like almost last in the league in defense. It's really, really bad. And they're the issue and they went on the road and played a lot of really great teams and they went one and eight in the road. And yeah. you can't you cannot be like in the top if you can't beat the good teams and you can't beat the good teams if you don't play good defense. And that's the bottom line. So Yeah, and I'm looking at them in the Eastern Conference anyway. They are the uh next to last in terms of points allowed yeah. per game. So. I mean people are really just coming in and getting whatever they want when they play Atlanta. And so that's really, really got to change. But once that does change, which, and I think it can, they'll be in good shape. But So then what about Milwaukee? They're, well, they're right there too, because they're, they're just one, like what, even half game above Atlanta at seven and eight. Again, I know it's early in the season, but you got to think that this isn't the start they were hoping to get. Well, it's not the start they were hoping to get, but they did have a lot of issues with guys being in and out. They had a lot of really key rota- or really good key rotation players out for a while. They started the season without Brooke Lopez, their all-star center. They didn't have Drew Holiday for a while. They didn't have Chris Middleton for a while. Giannis missed a game or two in there. They didn't have Bobby Portis for a while. They didn't have Sami Ojale for a while. Two good rotation players. Obviously, Dante DiVincenzo is still out, so they just have a lot of people come like in and out and a lot of people out, basically, and yeah. that was a big reason why they've had a slow start, but uh, at least as of the Lakers game a few days ago, well, A, Giannis came to play. He got like 47 that game, like, you know, 12, 15 yeah, rebounds, something like back. that. He's back. I mean, he's, a, he's what, third in, in leading scores in the league, averaging 28 points a game. But not just that. I saw, at least in the box score, it seemed like Chris Milton was back. I think Drew played that game. Uh, Bobby Portis has been back, so has Sami Ojale. So they're starting to get their players back. They're going to round into shape. They're going to be fine. But that was the main reason why why that happened. But they, they will definitely be there at the end of the season for sure. Yeah, interesting. Well, all right. Let's see. Where do you want to go next? So I mean, I, I kind of we kind of glossed over. I wanted to talk about the Warriors for a second because I don't think anybody really expected them to have the start that they've had. They are currently. What is their record right now? So I, I think they're like thirteen and two, right? They are, yeah. Thirteen right. and two, right on the spot. 13 so, and two. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, if you look they're at the what, class of not only the Western Conference but the entire entire league. NBA, and like if you look at like where they finished last season, they they didn't even make the playoffs because of the play-in games. From going from yeah, that but that to, was a lot because of the the roster, right? I mean, injuries and so forth. A little bit. I mean, but they didn't. Well, they had a lot of their clay, once they, they got still to the don't plan, have clay back yet, right? They I don't mean, have clay back yet, and that's my thing. They, like once clay comes back, it's scary hours because they're already thirteen and two. They've already got the best defense in the league. Uh, they brought back Andre Iguodala, and the chemistry that right there is really good with all those guys. Yeah, and like and he because he came he who was he with last year? He was with the Heat. That's yeah, and mm-hmm. so then he came back to the Warriors this year. Warriors. That was a big ad. Actually, that's a really really big ad to bring yeah. him back. And so to be fair, the Warriors have had a pretty easy schedule to start the season. But, I mean, they went to Brooklyn, and they lit it up, beat Brooklyn. So, I mean. But that's a scary team. You look at their roster. I mean, Stephen Curry, or Steph, oh, let's just say Steph. What am I saying, Stephen? Uh, and then Wiggins, Jordan Poole, uh, Draymond Green. You mentioned Iguodala. Now, they haven't even um, gotten Clay Thompson back yet Yeah, exactly. Either, so. and, and this is where I think they're, and Wiggins, this really helps Wiggins them is, that they had such an easy start to the season because even once they start playing the harder teams, they'll have Clay back by that point. Yeah. And so – they'll be ready for it. And honestly, they already are ready for it. They already have beaten some of the really good teams. 
And so like my thing, like I really don't think they're going to slow down because they're going to keep getting those pieces back. You know, James Wiseman might be back eventually this year. That's pretty big. So I, they're, they're really scary right now. And I'm not sure if anybody really expected that to be, you know, so much of the case. Yeah. All right. So since we're talking about that, so who can match up against Golden State? I'm, I'm looking at the number two team. That's the team that I actually wanted to talk about anyway, because when you look at their roster, I think their roster is one that might actually be able to match up with Golden State. That's the Phoenix Suns. Oh, absolutely. So the Phoenix Suns can definitely match up with them. Yeah. I mean, and they've got a nice lineup. I mean, you've got obviously Devin Booker and then uh, what they've got uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. Mikhail Bridges is a yep. big piece. Bridges, yep. And they brought in JaVale McGee to give a little more size. Um, people remember they were in the finals last year. And yeah. they went out, they got JaVale McGee. It's going to give them a little bit of size. That was a big issue they had against the Bucks in the finals. That's why they went out and, gotten, and got him. Excuse me. So that's a pretty good add. They have uh, Landry Shamit. He's like a pretty solid rotation player, pretty good shooter, pretty good scorer. They started the season pretty slow, but yeah, they've been rolling. And if like I'm 10, 11 game win streak, or I was something just like going to say, if I'm looking at it right, they've won 10 games in a row. Yeah. 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 Tonight they played Dallas. So that should be interesting, but so absolutely. All right. So I'll put a little card talk into this since we are a sports card show. Devin Booker, he's an interesting one to me. He's in the 2015 class. That's where his rookie cards are. They're expensive, though, so I wouldn't necessarily run out and grab those. There's a 2015, we'll use the Panini Prism Silver as a baseline in a PSA 10 that's selling for around $4,000. So it is not cheap and it's been basically flat over the past few months. I do want to say though, I think that card might've been up around five or $6,000 at one point in the past year, but nonetheless, it's expensive. And now he's got some other cards that are not as expensive that you can go after, but still a lot of his stuff is, is up there in price. Chris Paul may be the card play there because obviously he's the more the veteran and we just talked about, wasn't he, well, he was the one that just was the first player with, uh, what was it, 20,000 points and 10,000 assists yeah. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was yeah. him. Yeah, so, and probably obviously going to be a Hall of Famer. And his cards, let's see, where was he? He was the 2005 was his rookie year. He's got a Topps Chrome card that year in a PSA 10 that sells for about eight to $900. So it's less expensive, may offer a little bit more longer term upside than someone like Devin Booker but so just to put a little bit of card talk in there on that absolutely and then another one I'm looking here I mean in the western conference really I mean the Jazz are there as well but I mean at the end of the day is it really just a two-horse race between Golden State and Phoenix I know it's early to say that but I I don't know about that I think well a the Lakers are pretty big question mark you know they've had Braun out for a while Braun's back tonight so we'll see where they end up at the end of the season. I think Utah definitely can compete up there. I think the Clippers can definitely compete up there. Dallas is one that surprises me. I'm not 100% sure if they're going to be up there at the end of the season, but I don't know. We'll see. It seems like they just rely too much on Luka, but maybe oh, I'm wrong absolutely. about that. I mean, I could go off about the Dallas all day, but they have, I mean. Why don't you? No, maybe we probably shouldn't, but. Probably not today, but okay. So Chris Stapps has actually been like pretty solid this season. Jason Kidd's system seems to be working, at least for now. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think come playoff time, it's been the case the past few years is that you can't depend that much on Luka. It's just not going to work. Yeah. It's too much. Well, and I feel like that's the case with the Clippers as well. I mean, I know it's not all Paul George with the Clippers, but he is killing it. As As it stands right now, yeah, probably not a big, deep playoff run for the Clippers. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you saw last season they... 
Kawhi went down in the Utah series and Paul George finished it off with yeah. wins. Even yeah. even still, and like that's a pretty deep roster. I mean, they lost Rondo, but they've got a lot of really really solid guys on that team. Yeah, guys who know how to play and know what their roles are. That's really important. So, I don't know, but well, and Paul, and again, I'll uh, drop in a little card stuff here. So. Uh, Paul George, we talked about his cards, I think, in some of the previous shows. They're actually pretty reasonably valued given the performance he's had on the court. I'm not sure if he carries as much what I'd call cash, cachet, as other players, and that might hurt his value a little bit because obviously that plays a role in card mean? values. I mean, like, like flashiness? The, yeah, and like the, the presence in the media and in I sort of the so. main, you know just socially and so forth you don't right, care everybody's just kind of like watching him like oh yeah paul george just when he got 40 that's just paul no, george like everybody's like that it's performance crazy. wise but that's what i mean but no like, no but what i'm saying everybody just kind of writes off like oh like, paul george is doing his thing you know right like no one really pays but like that's right that's greatness right there that's yeah that's really good no i'd agree and i think based on his performance it, i think his cards are probably a little undervalued as an example you think about someone like steph curry with the warriors right i mean he's got other things he does that's in the public eye he's got that that uh, that I'll call it a game show he does. That have you seen that? With the that golf, putt, putt, the yeah. Putt, putt thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and he does a lot of other commercials and funny things like that. You know, you don't see as the guys that have the higher card values typically anyway. It, it's more than just about their performance in the sport. They have to have that, but then they have to have kind of another it factor associated with it as well. Just that kind of overall. Like I said, the best way I can describe it is is the cash or the cachet that you know that the presence they've got. Like you think about a Peyton Manning, although actually his cards you could argue are a little bit undervalued. But anyway, and you don't hear much about Paul George outside of basketball, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm just saying I wonder. I think that might be a reason why his cards aren't more highly valued than they are because if you just look at his performance on the court, you would. I mean, that stacks up with all the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. That is absolutely true. You don't really see him a lot outside of there. So I do have a question for you. Well, first of all, let me look, because you talked about the the roster of the Clippers. So I'm just looking now. Reggie Jackson. Is Reggie Jackson, is he a, what, what year is he? Do you know by I, chance? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. He's still pretty, I want to say he's still pretty young, but he's been around long enough to know what he's doing. Yeah. So, I'm not exactly sure. All right. Well, all right, so let's let's. I, I, there's another team I'd like to touch on, the Portland Trailblazers, and it seems like every year it's the same story for the Trailblazers. Oof. They're right there at like number eight, seven, eight, nine, Dame somewhere needs some in there. Help, man, and Dame needs help. Well, that's the thing, and so Damian Leonard or Lillard, Leonard, Lillard is probably you know among the best players, and I think a guy like McCallum or McCollum, yeah, McCollum, he's. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. I mean, you look at what he's been doing. I think he's fantastic, yeah. but it, but I mean, it's I almost really like I mean, are those the, the only two? The well, okay, so they they got to do something up in Portland, man. They've had the same roster for like five years. They don't really make any major moves in the past couple of off seasons, and it's just it's just not going to work. Like something's got to change up there. They've got to get that man some help, whether it be getting rid of CJ McCollum or whatever. They've got to bring somebody. Can else you afford in. to do? I mean. I feel like if they that's can your, get, they that's can get somebody of equal value. Yeah, I think they can because they can get somebody that may fit a little bit better. Yeah. Not to say that they don't fit with each other. That's a really really good backcourt, but 
they need to do something different because obviously this isn't working. Right. They're both playing great, but it's not enough, and they don't really have enough depth, I think, to make a deep run. So that's what I was going to ask. Is it does it the depth, or is it that they need more size in the front court? And I mean, they just got a bunch of guys that are pretty good, but like not outstanding. And yeah. like like you may you may have a point with the size thing. Like they got Nurkic as their starting yep. center, and like yep. he's great, but I don't know that he's enough. I don't know who their backup is. I don't think they have Cantor anymore, but he was he's pretty good for them, but No, it looks like uh maybe maybe Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller. Yeah, yeah. You see it every year. They have basically the same roster, very minor tweaks and like something something pretty major has gotta change or else they're really just gonna keep going on the same track for like ever, man. Yeah, it's just it's kinda disappointing because you feel like, yeah, they've between and like everybody wants Dame Lillard to win all the players love Dame Lillard everybody loves Dame Lillard everybody wants to see him be successful but it's just not really gonna work if they keep their current situation right now yeah all right well uh we've done a lot on basketball we probably move on to the NFL all right so where are we going NFL let's see oh Mac let's start with Mac Jones Jones. yeah he's the uh the hot quarterback of that rookie class now we talked about him on our first show, I think it was, and the comment I made was I thought the jury was still out at that point in time. I mentioned that I would hold his stuff. I wouldn't necessarily sell it, but I also wouldn't necessarily buy it unless you could pick it up for cheap. I, I didn't. I felt like you shouldn't go chase it. Some of his raw stuff is not terribly expensive, actually, so there could still be some opportunity there. Now, it depends what you look at. Some of his higher-end stuff, the rookie patch autos, things like that, is is getting more expensive, and I wouldn't necessarily chase those, but some of the lower-end stuff is actually still relatively cheap, and so if you've got a lot of confidence in him long-term, I might you know, look more to, to the lower-end stuff and, and pick up the gains that would occur in those than maybe risking it on the higher end stuff because look oftentimes it's the sophomore season that is the kind of the tell on how good the quarterback is going to be longer term because that's once defensive coordinators have had an off season to to study film and kind of really pick apart the tendencies and all those kinds of things and develop uh, you know defensive game plans to go against these guys that's when we really see I think anyway how good those quarterbacks are ultimately going to be over the long haul so well here's what I'll say to that and they said it last night on the broadcast for the Patriots Atlanta game I think a Mac Jones is in a very really good situation because he's got you know a good organization around him but that's B, true that's true they've said on the broadcast that all the players around him all these veteran players they don't feel like they have a rookie leading him they feel like they've got a veteran leading them he's got that kind of like factor about him he's got that's important that veteran leadership even though he's not a vet and that's i think pretty important to consider and i I think he would probably end up next year he's probably going to be just fine i don't think he's going to have any sort of slump or anything that i mean hearing that i would agree with you that's that's a little bit of that cash i was talking about he can he can come in as a young player really important and still lead some of the the vets that have been around for a while so and they've got respect for him so yeah that that's important but so that said i still wouldn't chase his stuff and then um unfortunately chase young who's the defensive lineman for the washington team right i don't the Washington football team. The Washington football Washington team. Football. I don't know when they're going to rename that, man. When are they going to get there? I have there? no idea. It seems like this is taking too long. I, I feel like they need to put us in charge. We could get them another nickname a lot faster than this is you know going on for. But anyway, uh, he tore his ACL, so he's out for the season. That stinks. He He's obviously a promising 
young star in the league. And so sorry to see that. Uh, and that leads me to the Titans, who they also had their promising star and Derrick Henry go down. And nonetheless, they just keep winning, and they keep winning against the best teams in the league, frankly, I'm a little surprised I'm by it. I'm really surprised, but and hey, man, we have a lot of good pieces. Hey, there's forget. your we again. People, people <laughs> forget. Well, people forget, like, it's football. One person is important, but one person doesn't make all the yeah. difference. Football well, you, is much more of a of a team sport, I think, than some of the other sports are, where one person can't make quite as much of an impact. Yeah. Even though Derrick Henry's making a huge, huge impact, they've still got a lot of really, really good players up there. Yeah, I would agree. So, I would agree with that. And I, But I also think what it shows to me, and I've actually long felt this, and being a Broncos fan and given the Titans are in the AFC, I, I was a little nervous about this. I thought Mike Grable was a good hire for them as oh, head coach. Oh, he's a great coach. And I think, yeah, I love I think you're starting to see – how good of a coach he oh, is. Oh, for sure. And it, I know. think you saw flashes of this in their first playoff, their first like major playoff run where they went all the way to the AFC Championship. He yeah. coached really, really well. Yeah. He co- used like Belichick's tricks against him. I love right. that game. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah. he again, he came from New England. He played for New England. Yep. I'm pretty sure he coached there. He coached under Belichick. He knows what he's doing. And yeah, yeah absolutely. I think he's showing to be a really, really great coach. I'll have to look up. I don't have it for this show. So I'll have to look it up. Maybe we can work it into the next show. Because, you know, his cards, actually, I, I think his cards might offer some interesting opportunity because, you know, there was a time, oh, maybe six or 12 months ago where the Belichick cards and a lot of the popular uh, and more successful coaching cards really got hot and took off. And anyway, I'll have to look that up because it, it, it might be an interesting opportunity with his cards. Now, all that to say, I still think personally, I think the Bills are the class now i know the titans beat the bills but i think they're the class of the afc you might be right we'll see they haven't been playing as well they what they got beat. i love the bills was man. it the was it the pants someone i forget they they lost a game they shouldn't have lost maybe it was the jets i can't remember who it was but they're still not playing as, as good as they are capable of in my opinion but if you i'm a big fan of of josh allen and if you look at their uh, what are they? I, I don't have their schedule. I think they're six and three. I think they're atop their division and maybe second or third in the AFC. So don't snooze on them. I think there's going to be interesting. Now the NFC, on the other hand, they're I think that's the the lesser of the two conferences. I don't know what's going on with a couple of teams, Minnesota and Atlanta in particular. Those are two teams that I really feel like should be better than they are. I don't understand. Now I'm I'm sure that people have different opinion on. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, and maybe it's they don't have as good of a defense. I don't know, although Minnesota in the past has had good defensive units. And then Atlanta, man, I just – now maybe losing Calvin Ridley, obviously that was a big loss because he was a star wide receiver. But they've got – I mean, Kyle Pitts is looking like he's going to turn out to be an absolute fantastic tight end for them. You've got, obviously, the veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan. But – I don't know what's going on there. I feel like both of those teams ought to be better. I do think in the NFC, look out for Philadelphia. And I'm not just saying this because they beat my beloved Denver Broncos, which, by the way, the score of that game doesn't tell the story because Denver was about ready to go in and score and make it a tie game. 
and then a stupid fumble that got returned for a touchdown made it a two-score game, made it look like it was a blowout when, in fact, it wasn't. But all that to say, you know, early on in the year, we talked about Hurts. I really like Hurts. Uh, I thought his cards offered value, and I thought he would perform well with the Eagles. We're starting to see that. He didn't start off the season great, but he's getting better, it seems like, to me, with every game. I think he's only going to continue to get better, and I think that connection with Devonta Smith, I, I like him as, as a receiving connection with, with Hurts as well. So I think that's they're a tandem to look out for. And then what else? Oh, Arizona. Let's talk about Arizona for a minute because early in the season when Arizona had that stretch where they were undefeated and people were talking about, well, Kyler Murray still wasn't really in the MVP conversation because they were talking about when you look at the team, it's really balanced and not necessarily, you know, he wasn't necessarily putting up the same kind of stats as maybe other guys around the league. But you look at why they played without Kyler in fact I think it was the Panthers right they played against Cam Newton I believe that was the Cam Newton game yeah well I guess it wasn't against Cam Newton but Cam Newton played that game and they had Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback without Kyler and they just got destroyed by the Panthers they looked awful and so that makes me think man maybe Kyler should be in the conversation for MVP maybe he is a lot more important to that team than people were saying earlier in the year. Maybe now, obviously, everyone knows Cam Newton's value to the Panthers. Yeah, that could be it too. And I, look, I mean, everyone knows. I'm not saying you know that earlier Kyler wasn't important. I mean, he's obviously an all-star quarterback and doing great things there. But there were some folks that were kind of saying, well, he's not necessarily putting up the same stats, and so maybe not in the MVP consideration, given all the weapons around him and the defense they had and everything else. But man, after that game, this now it's only one game, so. So I don't want to overreact, but I but I do think that was that was interesting to see that. All right, we should probably move on to let's let's do the next segment in our quarterback series where we're looking at the twenty what sixteen draft class. Yeah. All right. So people who you know have been keeping track of this, we've been doing like you said an NFL QB review. We've been going by draft class of guys currently playing, and so far we've covered these twenty seventeen through twenty twenty one draft classes. So today. We're going to cover the 2016 draft class, which includes Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Jacoby Brisket. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Brissette. Brisket? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? A little and bit, man. It's, and it's, Briss, it, Brissette? It, it, Jacoby. First, of all, first like, of all, it's Jacoby. Not, I did not think it was pronounced like that. I literally just misread that. For some reason, my mind went to Brisket when I read his last that's name. Awesome. That was awesome. Jacoby right. Brissett. That's a little highlight of As the game that we have. That's, that's, a, that's a foreshadow of the game we have for later on in the show. Well, those... Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, first so of all, J- it's Jacoby, Jacoby, not Jacoby. Whatever. Jacoby <laughs> Brisket. Those are our four <laughs> Those are our four highlights for our for today's uh 2016 review there you go all so right we'll get into yeah. it well and i'm not going to talk really much about him or jared goff the the ones i'm most interested in this class are, are dak prescott and carson wentz i wouldn't go after goff i wouldn't go after brisket and just brisket i should say unless i'm kidding obviously unless you're just a fan and you want to collect them then go for it but I'm going to focus on Wentz and Prescott. So I like Prescott a lot. I would be careful not to overpay. That's a common theme among these modern cards. And 2016 is kind of on that line where maybe, you know, 2017, 2018 is when we really started seeing production start to go up more. So it's kind of on that line. But that said, when you look at pop counts, you compare the prices of 
some of these modern quarterbacks compared to say some of the vintage guys it just seems like there's more value in the vintage space I realize they don't have the same appeal for the younger generation and there's a lot of new younger collectors and investors coming into the space but I do think what happens with that is that when you're younger obviously you collect a lot of the guys that you grow up with and watch but then I think as you get older you begin to appreciate some of the more vintage stuff and the older players and so you look around to kind of round out your collection with some of those older guys and so that's why I think there's maybe a little more longer term value in some of the vintage stuff but all that said getting back to the card value so Dak Prescott his pop counts I'm going to look at his Don Russ cards uh, just to do something a little different and the base on that pop counts around 1300 if you look at his prism it's i think around 1200 he's got a donruss optic that's around 760 those are the pop counts so those are all in psa 10 and and you look at prices his donruss optic uh is around 250 to 300 dollars for a psa 10 that's not terrible his select prism in a psa 10 has been volatile but that's been between 500 and 750 dollars so I, I like Dak. I think he's in po- possibly an interesting long-term investment with some potential upside, but I wouldn't pay up for his stuff because I think as we saw last year, you know, with an injury or something like that, it could really hurt the value of his cards. But anyway, now as for Carson Wentz, he doesn't have huge pop counts on his stuff. That could change if the values of his cards start to rise and guys start sending some of their raw stuff in. If you look at his Don Russ optic, there's about 800 of those in PSA 10. The Prism has about 700 in PSA 10. You can pick up that Don Russ optic for about 40 to $50 to be on. And again, this is almost like, this is kind of like the Cam Newton one. I was a little surprised when I was looking at this. I hadn't looked at Carson Wentz's stuff in a while and I was surprised to see it selling for that. I think it's worth taking a shot unless you just don't like the guy. But I think at that price, the downside is really limited. And I think the upside is, you know, pretty decent. And so therefore the risk reward ratio that we like to talk about is pretty favorable. And to give you some perspective on that, over the last couple of years, that card is was selling for somewhere between $100 and $300, really similar in a lot of ways to the Cam Newton rookie card. And Wentz has been doing a little better in Indianapolis. I know not great. I know there's a lot of guys that are down on him, and there's sort of mixed opinions. But nonetheless, again, I think from a risk-reward standpoint, 40 to 50 bucks for a starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL – I, I mean, that's a if, if you're looking to, to take a chance and, and potentially get double or triple the value in the upside and without a whole lot of downside, I think that's a good one to do that on. All right, that's probably all the time we've got. We're running a little bit long, so let's move on. Let's, let's get to the game. I want to do this game, especially after what we just did. I think I need to change my, my list of names here that I have and put uh, – Jacoby Brisket Jacoby on there. Jacoby Brisket. <laughs> That's going to be, yeah, that you're never going to live that one down now. You know that, right? All right, so. <laughs> hey, man. I, <laughs> so this is, so here's the thing. So we had an idea. This really came, I think, after, was it the last show? I think yeah, it was the last was show. The last we were show. talking about some of the highest paid athletes of all time. And one name that uh, was up uh, the, near the top of that list was the iconic golfer Jack Nicholas and for those that listen to the show Brandon I think pronounced it Jack Nicklaus and we thought it would be fun to play a quick clip of what happened in the last show so here you go all right so lastly Sportico released a report of the top 25 highest paid athletes of all time and Michael Jordan tops the list at 2.6 billion dollars 
followed by Tiger Woods at $2.1 billion. And then comes Arnold Palmer, uh, Jack Nicklaus, Cristiano Ronaldo, Floyd Mayweather. Wait, wait, wait. What? Jack what? <laughs> I don't know how Nicholas. to pronounce that. Nicholas. <laughs> Jack Nicklaus. <laughs> Santa Claus. And that was it. So we will now take you back to this week's show in progress. And so, and so and that was, I thought, pretty funny. So I was like, what is he, Chris Klaus, Santa Claus? But anyway, we thought out of that came an idea, hey, there's all these sort of names in different, you know, sports with these players that sometimes might be a little difficult to pronounce based on how you see them spelled on, on paper. And then the flip side, maybe they, they're also hard to spell. So we're going we're gonna, to, you know, over the next couple of shows – try a couple of different formats of, of playing a little game. But so the one we thought we would do today, I'm going to give Brandon a list of player names. And there are one, two, three, four, five. There are six names on this list. And I'm going to see if he can pronounce or how he would pronounce each of the names on this right. list. All right. So here right, you go. Give, so we're going to start at the top of the list. And I, of course, I had to start the very first one with. Okay. Well, I know how to say it now. Jack Nicholas. Yeah, I had. To, right. Yeah, so Jack Nicholas, he got that one right. So I had to start with that one since that was the one that got this whole thing kicked off. But all right, so so oh. what do you got on the next one there? Oh lord! And I, you're gonna have oh, to. Oh wow! Show this, me what sport is this? So, guy hold play? on, take. Let me see. I can't. I what can't is, see what sport, that. What sport does this guy play? All right, so this is a hockey player. This is a hockey player. Okay. Yep. Hockey player. Okay. Um, let's cue the Jeopardy music. Let's say. Do, 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 do. That's oh, terrible. Lord. I got I, it. I should not be doing that. Okay. Uh, Haramir Jaeger. Oh, my goodness. No. Har- Haramir? Hey, man. Yeah. No. <laughs> you're, making me, you're making me overthink this. I feel but like you it's were like close. You were close. The last name is Jager. Jager. Okay. Jager. So Yaramir. Kind of right. Yager. And so the, the J is like a, almost like a Y. Yamir Jager. Yar- I literally. I was so close. Yeah. Yaramir. Yeah. Why are you making fun? I literally like no, said it was, right. I'm not making fun. I literally <laughs> said it right, except for the last name. Okay. All right. So the next one's a baseball player. Okay. Do you know? Do you know that one? Because you follow baseball. You, I think so. You I probably know, know that one. It. Oh Lord. Okay. Uh, Mark Tazira. No. Come on. Mark Tuxira. No. <laughs> are you just trying <laughs> to do that? No. No. It's Mark Tashira. Tashira. That's how yeah, you spell Teixeira. it. Yes. Yes. It's. I yeah. didn't know that's how you spell it. For those that don't, it looks if. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know this because they you don't say X with a sh but it's, sound. It's T E X E I R A, and it's Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira, you spell your name wrong. Yeah. All right. All right. So the next one is also a baseball player. Okay. These uh, are older baseball. Jason, or is, hmm. a relief pitcher. I believe it was with the St. Louis Cardinals. Isringhausen. Say it again. Isringhausen. Ah, that's actually that's really good. Right. It's Jason Isringhausen. Yeah, that was good. Well done. All right. So the next two players are golf. I figured you handled Jack Nicholas okay. Niklaus well, so I know well that I was going to give you two more golfers. Brooks Kepka. I know that. Oh, you know that one? I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have given you that Brooks one. Brooks Kepka. Okay, right. and our last one. Oh, Lord. That's a golfer. Uh, Louis Ustoisen. <laughs> So that's pretty. That's actually real, pretty that, good. What you, it? Say it again. Ustoisen. That's not bad. It's it's um. And now now you're gonna make me. Why now all of a sudden I, I'm drawing a blank. It's Ustaisen. 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 Yeah. Ustaisen. Louis Ustaisen. 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 Yeah. Or is he from Germany? I don't even. Like I don't Poland know. Don't don't like test that? me. Don't don't give me questions. I don't know the answers to. All right. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> all right. Uh, Shira. So. 
Yeah, so there you go. So that's the game. So how many of those did you? So you got one. You got, got Jack like Nicholas. One and a half. Or you something. got Isringhausen. You got Kep. So you got three. You got you got half. I got three. You got three out of six. You got half of them. Hey, right. That's, that's not bad. Good. That's not bad. That's pretty good. We're gonna have to keep count now because we're gonna keep track of this over time and see, you know, maybe at the end of the year who's got the highest score on this stuff. So you got three out of six for those keeping score. All right, that was fun. Okay, let's move on though, and let's get to the two-minute drill. And, All right. Yeah, and you ready? Yeah, I'll let you get going, but this is you're gonna see why we did the game before the two-minute drill. All right, so start the clock. So we're gonna go with we're gonna right, let's start with Kareem <laughs> we're gonna go with Jabbar. Then yeah, let's, let's do one. that. Yeah, I think we you must had some old notes in front of you. I got in front of me the notes saying we're gonna do Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. All right, go. So also known as Lou Alcinder, and his rookie card is in the 1969 Tops card. It's expensive, so you do, like we say with vintage, you buy the grade that you can afford. So as an example, a PSA 3, which is a low grade of that card, sells for around $1,000, give or take. I also like his 1970, his 1971 Tops card, both of those. By the way, the 69 and 70 cards are oversized cards. They're not your regular size, so just be aware of that. You can find an 8 on the, I think it's the 70 card. You can get a PSA 8 for about the same price as you can a PSA 3 of his rookie card. So, you, you know, if you're looking for something of higher grade that's maybe not as expensive as the rookie you could go for a second year card and then i also think an interesting play here is this 1972 tops card because that's the first one that used the name cream abdul jabbar the cards before that used lou alcinder on the name of the card and then that one 1972 was cream abdul jabbar so and i'd be a buyer of his stuff and i do own some of his stuff and but again it's for not a flip it's just for longer term investment purposes all right so next up is dr j yep also known as julius irving and his rookie cards in the 1972 top set i love that card i feel it's an iconic card it's it's one that i feel like if you're a serious collector you've got to have that one in your personal collection. I've got that one in mind. Again, buy the grade that you can afford. If you get like say a mid-grade of maybe a PSA 6, that's probably gonna run you somewhere around $1,000. The pop count in that grade is maybe about 900 with maybe a couple thousand graded higher, but same thing as with Cream. I like his stuff, but it's again, not a flip. It's just from a long-term investment standpoint. All right, so let's mix in some hockey and go with uh, Harmer. No, this is the same one you just had in the game. I know. I, that's it's, how you it's said it. Yara. <laughs> oh, okay. Yara, no, because that, that's how I said it, and you said it was it's wrong. It's not an H. It's a Y. Okay, well, that's I mean, how it's a I J, said it. but it's yeah, pronounced Yarmer, with a Yager. Yager. Yeah, it's Yager. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now here's uh, maybe, I don't know if this is a little known fact to some, but others maybe that are that know hockey will know this. He is second only to the great one, which is Wayne Gretzky, on the all-time scoring leaders in the NHL. His rookie cards in the 1990 sets, he's got an upper deck one, there's a score one, but the premier card, which you're going to see what I did here in a second, is the OPC, which stands for OPC premier card. See what I did there? Wow. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. So, but that one in a PSA Man. 10, yeah, that one, I know it's terrible. That one in a PSA 10 is selling for about $350. That's down actually from about $500 to $750, give or take over the past year. And I would own that, that card. In fact, I do own that card. 
And I, I think for the long haul, the pop count in a PSA 10 is just shy of 3000. So it's not, it's, you know, it's not a low pop count the same time you're talking about like I said a guy that was the second all-time leading scorer in the NHL behind Wayne Gretzky and when you look at some of those stats and some of the guys that are on that like Ovechkin or Crosby none of those it doesn't look like anyone's going anywhere close to those to Gretzky or Yager anytime soon so I think it's a potentially good long-term investment and that ladies and gentlemen is the end of the two-minute drill all right, so let's do this. We're running a little bit long. I'm going to move quickly through this next segment, and then because I know we've got a mailbag that we want to touch on, and then we'll wrap up the show after that. So real quick, wanted to follow up on the discussion we had last time regarding the Josh Luber report. Remember, he is the guy that's going to be the chief vision officer for the Fanatics card company that's taking over the licenses for basketball, baseball, and football, I think beginning in the year 2026, if I'm not mistaken. And so he put out that report talking about how trading cards are cool again. And specifically today, I just wanted to address the question on whether we are seeing overproduction and oversupply in the market. We talked a little bit about this last time, but I wanted to highlight it again because in the report, Luber talks about the current state of the market. So this is what he said in the report. This is a quote. It says, if the defining feature of any card market crisis is an imbalance of supply, overwhelming demand, whether driven by the absence of people or the intemperance of companies, that's a lot. But anyway, and he says, all the available evidence we have right now points to the exact opposite direction. Hobby shops can't get enough product. Everything that Tops and Panini release sells out within days or even minutes. On eBay and Golden, meaning golden auctions he's talking about there, buyers outnumber sellers. And every other day, there's a new record-breaking multi-million dollar sale making headlines. If you put 101 economists in a room, had them pour over the data, and then summarize the market in one simple equation, it would be demand greater than supply. And I have to say, that sentiment was echoed in another podcast, a popular one that we listened to, and we've heard others say the same thing where they'll look at how, hey, everything that's coming out is being sold, you know, th that's being produced sells quickly, so there's no overproduction. I think that's short-sighted, to be honest. And here's what I would say to that. You're not going to see it until it's too late. At the time you recognize and understand that, that we've got oversupply in the market, at that point, it's too late and the damage will have already been done. So people are buying up stuff now because in a large part because they obviously there are collectors and investors but there's also a lot of flippers in the space that think they can buy the product and make money. And over the last couple of years, and, and when I say make money, it, like instantly, and over the last couple of years that's generally been the case. But as that starts to slow and the prices of the boxes starts to far exceed the value of the cards inside the box, then that dynamic dynamic will begin to shift. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of this now. And I think it's going to start with the individual cards. I've heard some people ask, you know, well, what goes first, the box or the cards? They do move in tandem, but I also think that you're going to see the first movement begin with the cards. Because right now there's kind of a gambler's, almost a lottery mentality with these boxes that, hey, if you pull the big hit, right, then, yeah, you might pay $1,000, but you get that big hit, you've got yourself a $50,000 card. The flip side is if you don't pull that big hit, you paid $1,000 for a box that's probably not worth, the, the cards inside it aren't worth more than $100. And so it's a big risk, big reward. 
and if you don't get that hit you lose your shirt it didn't used to be that way it used to be you got good value in the box kind of regardless and if this continues for a sustained period of time I think you're going to find people will start to become disillusioned and I think you'll start to lose people not everybody there's always going to be people that are willing to play that game but you will begin to start to lose people and we're even seeing this starting to happen a little bit now it's again not widespread but it is happening and it's sort of bubbling under the surface it's not unlike the financial markets and remember that's that's what my background is and you know a lot of times the major market indexes indexes that everybody or indices I should say that everybody follows those might be making new highs and doing really well but oftentimes there'll be things what we say under the surface or beneath the surface and other indicators that begin to show weakness and that often shows up long before you see it in the major indices that people follow and I think the card market is no different as more people start to become disillusioned and the prices of some of those hit cards begin to come down and especially if some of those hit cards start getting overproduced and we're seeing that and Josh Luber's Luber's report talked about that with the increase in the number of one of ones and the increase in the parallels and the increase in the uh, supply of the big hit cards they're starting to see it seems like those are being pulled fairly often so starting to see a little bit of that and as that happens I think you know you see the price of some of those hit cards start to come down then you're going to see the d- demand for those boxes begin to wane. And as that happens, the cycle feeds on itself. Now, I'm not saying this is a foregone conclusion. I'm just saying that, you know, that's how this whole thing could end, could go if it's not managed properly. And it's the same way as it was on the way up, by the way. And so, like I said, look, this is no different than what we see in the financial markets and the stock market all the time. The sports card market is really not much different in that regard. So, I've also heard some people say that, well, you know, you've got to get it while the getting's good, so to speak, and that Fanatics paid a lot of money for those licenses and all the companies that have gotten into the space have paid a lot of money to acquire their companies or or make investments in the space. So they're all going to produce as much as possible in order to make that back. But again, that's really short-sighted. And frankly, I wonder if the people that say that have actually read the report from Josh Luber because he actually speaks to this. Thank goodness he does because it shows that he understands it. He acknowledges it and recognizes that it's a potential problem. And so that's the good news here, I think, is that he does recognize that. He talked about how you can't just saturate the market with product because there's demand for it and how you have to actually balance that out in order to sustain that demand over the long term. And so I heard a guy on another popular podcast and in a popular Facebook group say that it's, well, this is business and, you know, you have to cash in while you can. And I guess that shouldn't be surprising because I think the philosophy of the person that said that's probably more akin to that of a flipper, and that is kind of a flipper mentality. But that's exactly the opposite of what you want to see and what you should do if you are looking to have a long-term, sustainable, and successful business in this industry. And Luber did talk about that in his report. He gave some examples. He talked about Nike and Adidas in the sneaker market, and he talked about how Adidas tried to cash in while they could, so to speak, and that tanked the market and conversely he talked about how nike manages the supply and keeps the market healthy and keeps the demand strong over the long haul they could overproduce and sell into more demand but they understand how that would hurt the market over the long haul and they're in it for the long haul and so and that is one of the good news or or i think one of the things that's good news is that when you look at the investors coming into the space 
And this is why, frankly, we talk about these investments a lot in our halftime report, and we talked about it in our blog that we did on the state of the, the card industry and kind of the history of the card industry. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the investors that are coming into the space. And it's because these aren't people that are looking to make a quick buck. They're not people looking to just flip this opportunity and then get out of it and go on to the next thing. These are people that are investing for the long haul. And so while I am concerned in the short term about the supply in the market, I do feel confident in the long term that the investments being made in the space and the time horizon of those investments and the perspectives of those investors and guys like Josh Luber are solid and they're grounded in really wanting to see that long-term sustainable success. So remember, all of this happened in the 80s and 90s. We saw a similar boom. Most of the companies that participated in that and and didn't necessarily see the have the discipline and manage their business in, in the way that we're talking about now, those companies went bankrupt. A ton of them did. And you'll read about that. If you haven't read our blog, go read it because we talk about that and you'll see how many of those companies went bankrupt versus the ones that survived and then the market essentially died for a period of time after that and remember Luber mentioned that in his report and I think it was his the TED talk he gave in 2015 where he literally said and there's a YouTube video on it that hey the card market's dead and everyone kind of laughed because now because people will say well he was wrong because that was right in front of this big move that we've had in the card market and while he was wrong from that standpoint he was also right from the standpoint of where the market had been and what it had done after the crash or you know the rise and fall in the 80s and 90s so I think you get the point I've probably said enough on that for now but I did I want to touch base on that again because I do think that's something that's going to be important to follow and I think the bottom line out of that the message that I want to get out to our listeners like I said before is that yeah in the short term I think we are seeing some warning signs of oversupply that's why I think you got to be a little careful that's why you're going to hear in a lot of the the comments that we make about different players and cards and card values we're going to be a little cautious on ones that are pricey and have high pop counts and really kind of more geared you know direct people to the ones that have lower pop counts and haven't seen those big price spikes but i do think that longer term there i think there's still good opportunity and i think the industry is on solid footing so i think that's really the takeaway all right that's probably enough let's move on to the last segment which is the mailbag all right so our first question is how should i think about redemption cards when buying older wax or boxes of cards this is a really good question in fact i saw this come up in the group sports cards nonsense which a shout out to them that's a popular group in the space on on face group on facebook i should say that we belong to and uh, the guys that run that touched on this as well and it's important because redemption cards remember most of them will expire after two years so what is a redemption card yeah no it's a good question we should explain that a redemption card is a card that you it's supposed to be part of the set and almost always it'll be an autograph card not sure there's ever a reason for it to not be one because generally what it is is the card manufacturer couldn't get the player to sign the card prior to releasing the set and so instead of including it in the set they'll just issue a redemption card that says hey if you pull one of those you then it you've got the right to submit that redemption back to the card manufacturer and that entitles you to get that autograph card back from them as soon as they can get the player to sign those cards and then they distribute them out to the collectors that that got those in the packs and the boxes that they bought so now remember we talked about how redemptions at panini are taking a very long time to fulfill and sometimes they're not being 
fulfilled at all. So if you buy an old, and Tops is doing a little better job of that, and we mentioned that in our own experience that we just got a redemption card back that had only been outstanding for maybe a month or two from Tops. So, but if you buy an older box, remember, and those expire after a couple years, so if you buy a box that's more than two years old, you should do some research and see if it contains redemptions in it and which players and cards that redemption might be on and factor that into your purchase decision and the price that you might be willing to pay for that box because if a box has a redemption card and they've expired you know sometimes the card company might give you something of value if you reach out to them but oftentimes and i think you should expect that you're probably not going to get anything for that and so that becomes a big thing to think about because often the big hit cards in the box the ones that are the most valuable that you're going to pull in those boxes and so the reason sometimes that the prices of those boxes sell for what are valued at what they are is because of the those hit cards and if those hit cards are in redemption form and not the actual card then you know you run the risk of of really overpaying for those so it's something to to consider and think about so how do people know if a box might contain redemption cards? That's another great question, and it's a hard one to answer. Sometimes I've seen the checklists will show which cards are redemption. So you can look at the checklist from, say, Tops or Panini and see if they'll give you that information. They don't always, but sometimes I've seen that. Uh, there's also some sites out there like Cardboard Connection, which is a great one that will have checklist, or Beckett's another one. And sometimes I've seen that they will note the cards that are in redemption form it's not very often though so i don't it's kind of hit and miss so i don't know that you can totally rely on that i honestly don't think there's a good single source of that information so the the reality is you just kind of have to do some research do some digging do some google searching look for redemption cards that are being sold google the setter box that you're looking to buy and redemption cards and and you know you're likely going to find some information in that regard you're just going to have to do some research i would also say inquire you know if you don't belong to some groups in social media like facebook and so forth join some some larger collector groups and reach out to people in those groups because there's a lot of people in this hobby that are more than willing to help out and that have experience and expertise they probably owned boxes of a lot of those things and they can tell you oh yeah you know these were the redemptions from that year and that set or whatever so there are resources out there but you're gonna have to do a little bit of homework in order to find them okay those are great questions that's all the time i think we've got for today keep sending your questions in we'll do our best to get them answered on the show so all right that is the show for today we hope you enjoyed it and as always we say that we are open to suggestions we don't just say that we are open to suggestions so please feel free to let us know what you like what you don't like things you want to hear more about all that good stuff it is your show and we do love to hear from you and get your feedback so that we can improve it and make it better for you and hopefully more enjoyable and valuable as well also remember to check us out on social media and like and follow our pages and channels all that stuff facebook instagram twitter youtube and check out our website that's www.the615collector.com as we mentioned earlier we've added some content over the past week and have several additional enhancements planned in the coming weeks so check back often or subscribe to our blog or email list and we'll update you when we load new stuff yep and as a reminder we're working on some interview guests for upcoming shows and so we'll post about that on our social media channels once we have those confirmed so that's a wrap for today hope everyone enjoyed it and we will see you next friday same time same place here on the 615 collector